Hi, welcome to James Miller Lifeology, where you learn to simplify and transform your spirit, mind, and body. My name is James Miller. I'm a licensed psychotherapist and a composer. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Let's get started. Did you know that on jamesmillerlifeology.com, you can enroll in the academy I created for listeners just like you? I've created courses you may take at your own pace, which will help you simplify and transform your spirit, mind, and body. Enroll in one of the classes today. I have a great show for you today. I'm going to help you find rest during the storm. I'll also be interviewing relationship detective Eric Newton, who shares his inspirational story of finding his purpose after he lost everything. For more information about Eric and his amazing podcast, please visit together.show. I have some exciting news. Did you know that I'm on the radio three times a week? You may hear me on the same station on Tuesdays at 1.30 p.m., Fridays at 9.30 a.m., and Saturdays at 12.30 p.m. You may also hear me anytime on iHeartRadio as well as on all the other major podcasting platforms, including iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and many others. Simply search for the show name, James Miller Lifeology. Are you struggling today to find your purpose? Has mediocrity set in and you can't imagine doing the same thing for the rest of your life? Are your relationships struggling or you aren't sure how to make long lasting changes in your life? Then today, contact me, James Miller. I will help you recognize the areas in your life that are going really well. And then we'll look at the areas in which you are struggling. We will create actionable solutions to help you create long lasting changes in your life. You don't have to do this alone. Go to my website, jamesmillerlifeology.com and click on the page, work with James. Fill out the form and it will be sent directly to me. Don't let another day go by without finding your way. Your change can start today. Once again, go to my website, jamesmillerlifeology.com and click on the page, work with James. Fill out that form to get started today. Finding rest during the storm. In life, we will all experience many painful and overwhelming situations. And when that happens, we often feel as if our future is going to be just like we're feeling in the moment. In my field, we have what's called emotional forecasting, which basically states what you feel in the moment is how your future is going to be. Obviously, that's not true, but unfortunately, when we do become overwhelmed, that is what we think. When we live in this worst case scenario, we often feel that nothing is going to change, that we have no options. The reality is you always have a choice. One thing I always help my clients do is look at their past. In life, you will have experienced the same emotions over and over and over again. For example, you can experience anxiety, anger, rage, fear, hopelessness, despondency. The list goes on and on. Now, of course, there are different intensity levels of these emotions, but the reality is you've experienced all these emotions before. In your current situation, reflect on a time when you felt the same way before. What did you do? How did you get over it? What happened that you were able to move forward? One of the most difficult things is to realize that what you're experiencing will end. And when it does end, then what? After you have your initial shock, it's then important to start to problem solve. When we're blindsided by something, we're often paralyzed as to what we're going to do next. The more quickly you're able to recognize that you do have options, that you do have choices, the more you'll be able to get in front of the situation to move you to the next level of your life. I actually created a online course in my academy entitled, When All Hell Breaks Loose. And yes, we have all experienced that. This class will specifically give you step-by-step instructions of what you can do when you are experiencing the perfect storm in your life. Remember, what you're experiencing is just simply an event. It's not who you are. For example, if you are bankrupt or you're divorced or you're a widow or have a terminal illness, all of those situations are just situations. It's not your identity. When you can separate between your event with who you are, it helps you not internalize the event as your new identity. Finding peace in the storm simply means you recognize what you can control versus what you cannot control. And yes, we will all be blindsided. We will all be overwhelmed when something happens. 
But when you start to recognize that your life is going to go on, yes, it may be different, but you have an amazing, beautiful life in front of you. Once you overcome the grief that you experienced, you then get to redefine who you are. And of course, perspective always comes with distance from the situation. But when you look for the lesson that you're learning right this second when you're going through the event, you'll start to realize what you're learning about yourself and how you can then overcome it. Every situation is either a stumbling block or a stepping stone. You get to determine how you're going to rise from the ashes, just like that story of the phoenix, to become the new person that you were meant to be. Yes, life can be full of pain, but life is also full of joy. There's always two sides to a coin. So realize whatever you're experiencing right now simply means that on the other side of it, you're going to experience joy again. You're going to laugh again. So let this be an encouragement to you today. Regardless of what you're experiencing, you can find peace in the storm when you focus on what you can control versus what you cannot control. Your life is not over. And in the grand scheme of things, this may just be a blip on your screen. A quick example of one of the courses you'll find in the academy entitled, When All Hell Breaks Loose. (laughs) We've all experienced those times when nothing seems to go right. This class will specifically train you how to process the event, regroup, and use what was thought as a stumbling block and turn it into a stepping stone. Enroll in the class today. My guest today is Eric Newton, a former family law attorney turned relationship detective. Eric describes himself as someone who's been through a thousand divorces and still believes in love. Ushering couples through divorce wasn't easy for Eric, a romantic from birth, but it turned out to be the ideal medium through which to understand the entire cycle of a relationship. As a result, Eric has a unique real-world comprehension of what makes one marriage thrive and another fall apart. Welcome to my show, Eric. Hey, James. I'm really happy to be here. Thank you. I am as well. You know, you and I have talked a couple of weeks ago, and I was really fascinated by your story, the highs and lows, and I think it's going to be a really relevant topic for my listeners today. So once again, thank you for joining with us. Awesome. Yeah, total pleasure. So now you had a very successful law practice in Northern California. I mean, you had so many accolades. It was like the, the top practice <laughs> in the world, in other words. And, you know, you, you're thriving so much. So tell us a little bit about that and then the transition as well. Uh, yeah, you know, I moved to San Francisco without a job, and I had no idea what I was going to do here, but I had passed the bar, and I knew I just wanted to live in San Francisco, so I moved up here, and, um, you know, I hung out a shingle because I kind of didn't have anything better to do for money, <laughs> <laughs> and I started getting clients, and they were all, I never anticipated that I would be a divorce lawyer, but the cases that were coming in were divorce cases, and it turned out that I was really good at it. I was good at um, kind of having perspective with clients and working with them. I was also good at marketing it. I really knew how to talk to people about their, the, their breakdown in their relationship in a way that made them feel comfortable. And so as a result, mm-hmm. my practice just exploded. Wow. I went from zero to, I, you know, when we finalized the practice, um, we were making, I think, something like $4 million a year. Oh, my gosh. Wow. And, and that that transition from zero to that happened in less than three years. Wow. And, um, it was, uh, you, you know, it was a combination of my being able to market in a way that most lawyers weren't. And then just being really attentive to people because I mm-hmm. actually truly honestly did care what they were going yeah. through in their lives. Yeah. It's interesting, you know, you and myself, um, as a, as a divorce attorney and myself as a psychotherapist, we don't usually see people at their best. You know, we see people with yeah. a broken part of their life and they're struggling. And so it's so wonderful to know that you truly did care about your clients. You really had their best interests in mind. And, um, you, you really were, obviously that's why you're so successful at it. 
you know, in the law world, we always say in criminal law, you see bad people at their best. And in divorce law, you see good people at their worst. Mm, And I really think that's the truth. You know, every, and this is one lesson I've really taken from it is that every single human being, no matter how perfectly they've executed on the things they were supposed to do, always hits some sort of a major breakdown in life. And it's painful and it's gut wrenching. And they have to, they go, you know, we go back and question our own personal value and what brought us to this place. And, you know, in some sense, you just kind of step back from it and realize it was inevitable. Mm. Everybody's going to face that moment. That's why, you know, I just have so much compassion for people now. Yeah. I did already, but after seeing so much unnecessary suffering, well, no, I think that so much inevitable suffering. Mm, yeah, it's a better you know, It's impossible not to have compassion. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, of course. And so to go from, uh, you know, not sure what you're going to do, you didn't have a job, you, you know, you, put, you started your practice, and to go from zero to making so much money in three years, how did that really affect your own self-esteem? You, you know, my, my self-esteem definitely went up, but it had a thin quality to it. You know, I look back on the identity that was running the show back then, mm-hmm. and um, you, you know, the underpinnings of desperately wanting to be accepted by my father, you know, I had a rough relationship with my dad, I think as many of us did, um, you know, that, that was still kind of the undercarriage of a mm, car, sure. you know, this vehicle looked shiny and pretty on the outside, but what was going on you know, beneath that veneer was, um, I just really didn't know that I was okay as a human and I desperately wanted to be okay as a person. Sure. And uh, it caused me to be a little shallow, I think. Mm, okay. You know, in psychology, we have what's called the, the father's blessing. You know, I mean, that's, that's a term we've all heard. But it really affects a person. If, if a person does not get their father's blessing, it really impacts them in such a powerful way. You know, the mother, of course, has a, has a large part in the, in the upbringing as well. But the, the father's blessing of the encouragement of the how they really... Um, just really bless that child with, with encouragement, with hope, with, with, um, a strong belief system that is so important. And when people don't have it, they are continually seeking and questing for something to replace that or to really find that. And so just the fathers who are listening, be, be really mindful of that. If you don't bless your child in a way to really encourage them, unfortunately you could be setting them up to look for something in life to fulfill themselves. And and they're going to continually be looking for something that they'll never be able to find. Yeah, and, and the, the crazy thing about it as an adult, when you even after you've recognized that fact, you know, I had done a lot of work. I'd done a lot of mm-hmm. personal development work. I'd seen the mechanism at play. I knew that the, it was this dad conversation running me. But knowing it doesn't always make much <laughs> oh, of a difference, of you know. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and, and the irony, too, is this search for meaning that's constantly driving us when we haven't had that father's blessing – um, it, it is also a chimera. Like, you know, the mm-hmm. meaning itself is available and also com- is available in every moment and also a complete mirage in every moment. Mm. You know, meaning is just a made up thing. Yeah. We get to say whether we have it or not. Yes. And that, and that, that fact was so unavailable to me at that time. And it's such a powerful, exactly. I mean, it's such a powerful thing that we determine what has value to us, what has worth to us. And when, yeah. we, and when we get stunted or maybe developmentally arrested at a certain time period, you don't realize that it's not working for us in our current moment, then yeah, we are going to be unbalanced in so many different ways. Yeah, exactly right. So let's jump ahead to what happened with you and your business partner. 
Uh, you know, my business partner was ha- having a rough time. Um, boy, talk about a difficult childhood. And he began uh, dipping into one of our uh, accounts mm. uh, without without me knowing. And, you know, it started small. Uh, it, and I didn't know about it for years. Um, and it took a couple of years for me to discover it. And when I finally did, it was... It was a lot of money. He wow. had, he had taken a lot of money from an account that we needed to have that money in, mm-hmm. and the the ultimately it resulted in us losing the whole, whole firm. Oh my gosh! So we we lost the firm. We lost <laughs> we lost you know we lost everything. I um I laugh at it now because there's just I don't have any attachment to it anymore, mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm I'm grateful for having had the loss actually. But uh, at the time, it was so traumatic, my friend. It really took me for a loop. I, I can't imagine that. You know, so here you are, that you feel like you're on top of the world, you have this amazing practice, and all of a sudden, you lose your practice. I mean, that, I can't imagine how devastating that was for you. Yeah, I lost the practice. I lost my board memberships. I lost my fancy clothing. I mean, you know, my, my apartment, my furniture, I lost everything. And uh, the only thing I didn't lose was the woman I had just started dating at that time. I'm still with her today. Oh, that's great. That's wonderful. Yeah, but you know, the losing of everything was so critically important to my human development. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't trade it for anything. You know, I look back at that. There's things I regret in my life, but that is not one of them. Yeah. If I knew what I know now, I might have executed on it differently. But I don't even know that. The loss, the loss of everything that I thought was important was critical to my realizing that none of it mattered. Mm. And I think it's so many, it's such a powerful revelation because all of the status that the world perceives as success at the end of the day is just simply materialistic things or just simply uh, positions. And it really doesn't define us. And unfortunately, when people look at for those things to define ourselves or oneself, it really, once it's gone, I mean, what's left? There's nothing left because we've used those external tokens of, and that token economy to really define us. And so, you know, I'm sure in the moment you didn't think of it this way, but upon reflection and years later, when you look at who you are today, yes, it was probably one of the biggest gifts that could be given to you. Yeah. You know, in the moment I was furious. Of, of course, course. Right. I mean, I was, I was, and I was also, um, blaming my partner for all of it. Uh, you know, and he is the person who did, who stole the money, you know, that he mm-hmm. did do that thing. But, you know, um, blaming him for my experience was, was, was what I was not understanding was false. Like, yes, he did the thing, but I was the one who was choosing to have this dramatic suffering from it, you know? Uh, and, yes. and, uh, it, it took me six months of sitting on the couch in anger and depression to finally for that to click over and realize, Oh, wait a minute. I am not beholden to this emotional experience. Hmm. I don't have to feel this way. Yeah. Because it's a snapshot of who you are, of what you're experiencing. It's not your future. It's just simply something you've experienced. And then you can realize my experience doesn't define who I am. It's just simply an experience. Yeah. And it's an idea. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's not even a real thing. Like, um, you know, am I successful or am I not successful? Am I respected or am I not respected? These are concepts. They're not even rooted in the physical world, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and it was, those are the things that were really destroying me inside. I didn't really care about my apartment in the end. It was, you know, am I now a failure? It was yeah. that, it was that wording. 
And, you know, it's such a made-up thing of failure. What even is that? <laughs> like, what is that? Yeah. In whose <laughs> eyes? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yes. And it, it always makes me think of um, it, our historical measurements of happiness. Have you seen any of this research? Uh, I know they did a movie on happiness, uh, and I think it's on Netflix, The Meaning of Happiness yeah. or something like that. Yeah, I, I watched That's it. It's fascinating. Yeah, it really is. And what you what you discover is that as long as there's been research studies, which goes back only a couple hundred years, mm-hmm. trying to determine if people are happy or not, um, you find out that people have to self-report happiness. And what, what you discover is on the st- uh, from the statistics is that people report at a seven kind of consistently mm-hmm. throughout time, regardless of circumstances. So you can be in the slums in Sao Paulo. And if you get uh, an average self-reporting number, you're going to say you're about a seven on a scale of one to ten of happiness. Or if you're a billionaire, yeah, I'm about a seven, which says to me the circumstances don't matter to our actual experience of yes. being human. Yes. You know, the sure, improve your circumstances. Nothing wrong with that. Yes, do right by your children, of course. But, but don't take them so seriously. Hmm. You know, the happiness, whatever it is, it's available in each little single ridiculous second. And, uh, and I don't think it's changed at all throughout history. Yeah. It's always available. I love and that. It has nothing to do with the bank account. Yeah, exactly. I really love how you really quantify that, you know, for people who haven't seen the movie or maybe know, don't know the researches, regardless of where you are in life, what your position is in life, where you live in life, Happiness really is a choice. Happiness is a belief system. Happiness is something that is available to all of us, regardless of social you know, social standings. And it's just such a beautiful thing. And so hopefully the listeners today who are hearing this can recognize, regardless of your situations, there's always happiness. There's always hope. There's always something in front of you, but it's just up to you to determine on what you're going to focus. Amen. And I think it usually has to do with surrendering to exactly what's true. Yeah. Just exactly. Acknowledging what is true and letting it be what it is. Yes, exactly. How did you transition to what you're doing today? Uh, you know, so during that period, I was sitting on the couch and being angry. Um, I was thinking about, well, what did I actually get of value out of being a divorce lawyer? And there were these moments that I just adored. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was these conversations that I would have with my clients when they were first coming into the office to explain their situation. The thing about coming to a divorce lawyer is you've got to tell the truth so that your lawyer can defend you effectively or represent you well. And so people would sit down in my office and they would tell me things that they, in some sense, had never really admitted to themselves. Mm. And those were powerful moments. You know, I'm not trained as a therapist, obviously, but, um, you know, those were, those were moments that I got to be a part of, uh, during which people had realizations about themselves that were deeply cathartic wow and um you know people would come out of my office just relieved you know because there's a way that people come to terms with their divorce where suddenly they realize oh it's just happening and we're all going to be okay wow it's just what it is and they just it's like a ten thousand pound weight gets lifted off of them and they would just float out of my office and those moments were so powerful I always wish I could capture them somehow. Oh, neat. But of course, you can't capture sure. them. You're a lawyer. You know, you get the confidentiality issues. <laughs> sure, yeah. There is so that. So <laughs> after I was um, done being a lawyer, right? <laughs> so then I thought, well, how, you know, wait a minute. Now I'm not a lawyer anymore. Why don't I turn these into a podcast? Hmm. So I, I, uh, I called up a few couples that I thought were pretty interesting and said, hey, do you want to come in and do this experiment and record something about your inner, your 
the relationship. And uh, these folks would come into my studio and and we would just dig deep. You know, that's the whole point of my show is I want to know, no kidding, like below the fluff, you know, stop telling me the PR that you told your mother-in-law mm-hmm. about your relationship. Really, what is it like when you guys fight? You know, yeah. <laughs> what is it, what is it like when you, yeah, like when you, those moments where you're like, how did I ever even meet this person? You know, which is inevitable. <laughs> I want to know that and how do you recover from it? Yes. And that's, um, and so people, we have these great conversations where people realize things about their relationships that they didn't even know were there. Yeah. And I think also you create a, a venue or, excuse me, you create a medium in which it really normalizes a relationship. You know, once again, the, yeah. the, you can look at the PR version or what what's seen on social media. Oh, we're so happy. We're so blissful. And yeah, that may be true, but we don't see the other side of it when the camera's not on us or when, when you know, no one else is around. What really happens? The full spectrum of a relationship. So I'm really glad to hear that you do normalize the highs and lows of relationships, the good, the bad, the ugly, the whatever. Yeah, I mean, I mean, that's the beauty of it, you know. Those, and I, I, I knew this in theory, but by doing the show, I found it the visceral truth of it that it's the challenges in the relationships that cause the death. You know, when you're in yeah. the challenge, you're thinking to yourself, "This is awful. I just want out. Why am I here? How did I end up with this person? I don't need to put up with this." Yeah. But the truth is, working through that is what causes that rich intimacy to keep people together for years yes and um, and in a, and in a live way you know you can you can stay together and be dead inside because you've ignored all your challenges or you can be together and be alive yes. and have your relationship give you more more life force and that's what's available by you know working through the challenges and and uh, and it just inspires me every day to see these couples talking about that. <laughs> That's amazing. Now you have all different types of couples, all different types of topics in your, in your pod, on your podcast, right? Yeah. The, for my view is that all humans are facing essentially the same challenges, no matter no matter their romantic configuration. Mm-hmm. So I've had dozens of polyamorous groups. Mm-hmm. I've had um, uh, gay, straight, trans, every age range, every racial makeup I can find. I just try to get people in really diverse circumstances so that ultimately we can learn the lesson that, hey, we're going through the same basic human experience and we can all manage it. Mm -hmm. This is not an impossible task. We can do this. Yeah, exactly. Because you're right. I mean, the world, there's so in the world, there's so many different configurations of how that looks and it's a beautiful thing. And that is something that, you know, you, someone who come, listens to your show can say, oh, I can relate with this configuration or I can understand with this person what they went through, whatever it may be. But there's something, a nugget of truth for someone who hears it. Yeah. You know, I played the, uh, the we had a trans, transsexual polyamorous triad on the oh, show. Oh, goodness. That's, so that's quite a configuration. Yeah, it was three people. Each of them was trans, uh, transgender in a different direction. Mm-hmm. And um, they were all non-monogamous. And two of them were married, and they all three lived together. And they were all in relationships with one another separately and also as a group. <laughs> wow. And, That's fascinating. Um, they just had so many different relationship dynamic inputs. You know, uh-huh. like most of us have one interaction with our partner, sure. you know, a day or whatever in the afternoon when she comes home from work. These guys had so many nodes of experience happening. Mm. And, uh, you know, they just had so much going on that they had to manage in their relationship life that they were just full of insight. And my mom heard that episode 
Um, and she, she called me up and she goes, first of all, they're adorable. But secondly, <laughs> I had no idea that I was behaving in this terrible way with my husband and I have to stop now. Tell oh, them wow. thank you. Oh my God. That's wonderful. And, that's great. Yeah, you know, it's just my, my sweet little naive mom you know, got a relationship insight from this, this triad. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That is hysterical. That, that's wonderful. And I'm sure, you know, there, there's, regardless of what people think about configuring, you know, relationship configurations or not, the, the point is, is that love is love. Heartache is heartache. You know, we all, like you said, we all feel that. We all experience that. And that's what really connects us as human beings. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's what connects us. And, and without both of those things, we don't even have experience. You know? yes. yeah. Our experience is made up of those highs and those lows. They yes. have to be there. Yes, they certainly do. Yeah. Well, Eric Newton, it has been an absolute pleasure talking with you today. I can't believe our time is already up. If my listeners would like to find out more information about you, listen to your amazing podcast and find out all the wonderful things you're doing, where would they find this information online? Check us out at together.show. And you can also search together on any of your favorite podcast players. Wonderful. Well, Eric, thank you once again for joining with us today. It's been an absolute pleasure. Yeah, thanks, James. It's great. I also want to thank you, the listener, for tuning in today. Please subscribe to this radio show through whichever portal you joined with us today, or please go to my website where you may sign up for my free newsletter, watch my YouTube episodes, read the articles I've written specifically for you, or you may enroll in the Lifeology Academy where you can take self-directed courses which will help you simplify and transform your spirit, mind, and body. If you'd like to personally work with me, be a guest on or advertise on this show, simply visit jamesmillerlifeology.com. Be sure to follow me on all social media platforms under the name James Miller Lifeology, except for Twitter, which is James M. Lifeology. Once again, thank you so much for your support and I'll talk to you soon.